A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earle and A.M. Kozak. The crocuses and the larch turning green every year, a week before the others, and the pastures red with uneaten sheep's placentas, and the long summer days, and the newborn hay, and the wood pigeon in the morning, and the cuckoo in the afternoon, and the corn crake in the evening, and the wasps in the jam, and the smell of the gorse, and the look of the gorse, and the apples falling, and the children walking in the dead leaves, and the larch turning brown a week before the others, and the chestnuts falling, and the howling winds, and the sea breaking over the pier, and the first fires, and the hooves on the road, and the consumptive postman whistling, the roses are blooming in Picardy, and the standard oil lamp, and of course the snow, and to be sure the sleet, and bless your heart, the slutch, and every fourth year, the February debacle, and the endless April showers, and the crocuses, and then the whole bloody business starting all over again. That was Samuel Beckett from Watt from Olympia Press, 1953. Good morning. I'm Amanda Earle. Welcome to episode 57 of the Small Machine Talks. I'm alone again recording the episode solo due to COVID-19's physical distancing requirement. At this time, I found myself seeking out some of my favorite poems about tree, rain, bicycles, wandering, and spring. This episode is inspired by Clara Duplessis' deep curation practice of organizing readings. I had the pleasure of being at an event at Knife Fork Book in Toronto, which Clara organized based on the idea of deep curation. Uh, here's a quote. Placing work by the same and different artists adjacent to one another in order to combine their generative potential. The event featured Clara, Aaron Boothby, and Kinesia Lubrin reading their own works, but ones that Clara had picked out. I'll uh, post a link to the reading. It was a really interesting reading, organized in a kind of thematic way. To quote Clara, The strength of considering how artworks or poems go together, enter into dialogue with one another, rub up against one another, contrast and scratch at one another, is endless. And that's a quote from... The, uh, the talk she ended up uh, doing at the Factory Reading Series as part of Verse Fest a couple of years ago. And the, it's been, she's, uh, she's had it published on Peri the Periosity Journal uh, that's uh, curated by, edited by Rob McLennan. So I haven't, uh, it's uh, like 6.30 in the morning. I've, I'm just having my coffee now. My ears are a little stuffed up. So if I sound, if my voice gets a little bit loud and weird at times, that's why. Uh, the poems and prose passages I'm going to read today follow the idea of deep curation, uh, curation, or at least are inspired by it. But instead of others reading, it's just me. And it's me alone. It's not me and a bunch of puppets and stuff. It's, it's just me. I'm going to start uh, with a poem by Doyali Islam called 32nd Parallel on Roots. To Al-Jaleme's Orange Trees If a farmer weeps, he weeps for three days. His heart uprooted from between his lungs, 
roots and branches, leaves and blossoms, pulled like scarves from between his lungs. If the blossoms shake, a bee knocked from a blossom, his tufted bee body yellow with pollen, the pollen that leapt to be among his branching hairs. If the bee is knocked, he flees, exiled, his hind leg heaving, a basket of pollen. If the pollen is heaved, it is the last harvest, the harvest of memory, the harvest of sung. And I'm going to be um, posting the links or to the uh, to the books where these are, are published. This is from Heft by McClelland and Stewart from 2019. Here's Maggie Helwig's Variation on Spring from A Chapa Called the City on Wednesday by Low Life Publishing from 1996. One, April again. A woman with black hair rides her bicycle around and round the park, hanging onto the fence with one hand, high narrow walls in the dangerous spring. If the sky could be tied down with ropes and flowers, still that would not mean that I could sleep. There is no such thing as somewhere else. There are no excuses for love or oxygen. If the veins in my temples are made of sugar and sand, melting into sudden heat, or the nervous alarm in the bones of my shoulder, if I am here in the midst of the faces trimmed with loss and lace, this means, I guess, there are only particular choices. To touch at a distance these sad, fantastic strangers. To be in this place, to see straight through to the laws of motion at six in the afternoon in the fiercely articulate air. Spring ghosts like scraps of fabric drift in the winds. I am forever possessed by glass and the jagged borders of fragile things. 2. These red flowers, the shock of recognition, blood on the hand. In the puzzle of streets shiny with slick ceramic tiles, green lemon white and the sea, women and men, red flowers, it is like the same story, falling and rising. How we are all a part of it, how we will smash the walls of the prison, the bad bones of fear. The sea is filled with soft creatures, their flesh full of salt and chemicals, their white bodies loose, spreading on secret constructions of mineral. And we have no less difficult, salt in our blood, our hearts surrounded by water, swim in our dream, deep dreams, rocked in rich darkness, tell the same story, shaping it under our fingers, red petals, complicity, love. 3. Tell me, I say, about bright rags or pale blue dresses in the traffic on Brixton Road, coffee and basil, the heat of spring on my back and the noise of bent steel. Tell me true dangers, actual holes, in the spaces of April, wild seconds of freedom careening around a corner into cold, magnificent grace. Light falls on lilac, upturned hands swallow enzyme and sun, and I, small person in transit, in a Chinese jacket, am here between the lyric windows, purple jam bleeding onto white bread, vanishing things. In this place, this second season, there is never any place but here, I said again. 
electric children powered by definitions rust on Walworth metal, the movement of rivers and milk in green dreaming, this street, this moment, the sugared clouds of spring. So this poem made me think about the movie Francis Ha. I don't know if you've seen it. I love Greta Gerwig. I also have a terrible memory for what happens in movies. What I recall about this one was Francis riding her bike and wandering Paris on her own. A few other movies, like I've seen Girl on a Bicycle, which I don't remember at all, but another charming Montreal film called Deux Secondes about a bike courier who wants to compete in the Tour de France is also good. There's a movie called Wajda I'd like to watch, which is set in Saudi Arabia, about a 10-year-old girl who wants to ride a bike. I've curated, a, a, I've listed a bunch of uh, movies about, well, a few movies about um, women and bicycles and feminism on uh, Letterboxd, and I'll uh, share that link in the show notes. This poem is called Green. It's by Jeanette Armstrong. It was originally published in Breath Tracks by Thetis Books in 1990, and I read it from Open Field, 30 Contemporary Canadian Poets, edited by Sina Karras and published by Persia Books in 2005. It happens to be one of my favorite anthologies. Green. Green, silence, softly, groping into damp earth, pushes quietly, draws tendrils up into rich, dark interiors. Life turns to green, reaches toward early light, drenching golden, with fills with clean warmth, dew soft summer breath, sends whispers easily through leaves, captures wind, swirls, clouds, driving rain, washing dust, moisture and mystery, swells twigs, moves pollen and seeds upward, scattering petals, moving forests, slumbering in tiny pods, beginning in endless emerald dance circles. The next poem I'd like to read is by Sadika de Mayer. It's called Yes. Yes, I said. The wind lifted the word and blew it through the birches into smaller yeses that dispersed. Hitched bicycle ride, my hands on your waist, soles skimming the road in the bends. What we wore will be one of those tellings that even a latent erasing a disease never steals. In tune like a robin and robin, a doorbell and creak of the stairs. Say love is the ship coming in. Say the grave eyes of the birch trees watched us go. How long had we stood on the pier? Gulls squalled. We'd outgrown what we packed. I googled and found this poem on Susan Gillis's blog, Concrete and River, which I'll share a link to, from 2013, and it was republished from Leaving Howe Island by Ulican Books in 2013, and I, I found it in, republished in The Next Wave, an anthology of 21st century poetry edited by Jim Johnstone and published by Ann Struther Press in 2018. I attended the uh, the Ottawa launch um, a number of years ago now, I guess, well, in 2018, back at uh, the uh, Poor Boy, when we used to go to launches at, uh, at bars and uh, cafes. Remember those days? 
Here's a poem by Phyllis Webb called Metaphysics of Spring, and it was from The Vision Tree, Selected Poems, Talon Books, 1982, and originally published in Wilson's Bull in 1980. Blossoms, powder of pink, moths, sift of mystic wind, watchers, shift of desires, bled light, gloss of ah, gross matter, great matter, it does not, even matter, burning, the shudder of, in the wings, in shells pink, growing, birth of the world, feathery, flesh or love, what matter? This puts me, uh, all of these poems are making me think of one of my favorite films, Les Glaneurs et la Glaneuse, The Gleaners and I, which was directed by Agnès Varda. Her documentary begins with a glimpse at the French tradition of allowing the remains of the harvest to the hungry and moves on to other objects deemed by society to be without value but used by artists in their creation. I have a, a photo series on Instagram, some of you may know, called Chairs of Instagram, and I take photos of chairs that have been abandoned on uh, on the sidewalk or uh, in the wherever in front of a person's house. So that's uh, it's a hashtag chairs of Instagram uh, chairs of Ottawa if you're interested in taking a look. I may have said chairs of Instagram. I clearly haven't had enough coffee yet. I'll take another sip. So one of the things that happens in the spring is that people start gardening, and I'm sure there are many poets who garden and who love plants. Uh, we try. We have a. Uh, we're on the 19th floor, and we have a southern exposure. We when we first moved in. Um, 17 years ago, we did try to uh, plant, have some pots and plant um, herbs and nasturtia, and it was great. They actually grew really well, but the pigeons prefer um, the space to be there, so we stopped doing that. Um, two local poets who are gardeners are Monty Reed, who has a lovely garden in the east end of Ottawa, and I've I've made zucchini bread from the zucchinis he was kind enough to give me, and Conyer Clayton, who, um, she writes a lot about plants in her work, and she's vocal on social media about her dislike of celery. She also gardens. So I'm going to read from um, Undergrowth by Conyer Clayton, published by Bird Buried Press in 2018, Lilac. Lilac. You'll know it's spring when lilac undresses, pink and purple in constant rotation. As lilac matures, a bush can close its seam, and bushes become trees sewn together by summer, a wall to keep the neighbors from seeing him stalk you. You pick peas to lighten the weight of his breath. You hum to drown memories of advice your mother gave you. No second chances. But you were never unmoved as lilac. It's as obvious as skin. Your eye is drawn towards silent walls with envy. Lilacs make strength have ease. Pink flowers fall mindlessly into your coffee as you make small floods in the valleys between vegetables. You wait for the water to sink in, pluck what's been shed from your mug, and then flood the garden again. Monty Reed's book of garden poems, Garden, uh, which was published by Shodier Books in 2014, features poem cycles as seasonal gardening units. In the notes, Monty writes that the book began as a simple gardening day book. One of his influences also is uh, Robert Croach, who is, I, I consider an influence of mine, and I guess the seed catalog is uh, one particular that has to do with, with gardening. Okay, here's a small excerpt, uh, number 10, June, from the first cycle, from Garden, Sept Unit. 
The petals whisper all our names. Wait, I mean the petals whisper all my names. I mean all my name. The petals, I mean, don't do anything but whisper. The next poem I'd like to read is called Leaven Hunting from The Quiet by Anne-Marie Terza from House of Anansi Press in 2014. It starts with a quote. With his familiar face but terrible eyes, he was coming along, stumbling over the hummocks, Tolstoy, Anna Karenina. To the wetlands, past the gaunt trunks of spruce and stands of willow girdling the sinkhole lakes, through a forest of yellow birch, Levin has come, slinging his shotgun, purple red dogwoods and a green creek, his dog riffing the water with her tongue. Here he hunkers down. This morning, the blown glass light, diaphanous and fragile, a curio lying on the bedroom floor. What else could be bodied and so thin? That light, almost nothing inside its shell. In such light, it seems wrong to think of objects without first touching them. Curved and cool, the pewter handle of a boot brush, or a loose thread from the silk scarf floating on a hook behind the door. Light so spare it's almost darkness. That light filled the room with scantiness, lessening the oak rocker to a rack of bone. Because it is a season of sudden rain, it begins now to rain, as if every raindrop must fall at once. The sky is a cold body of bolting water, Levin's dog somewhere ahead, her worried yammer. The rain's blether grows louder, a gallop of hard consonants Levin feels he could understand were it slower. Every spring I go on a wander to see the first blooms. I always get teary-eyed at the sight of the first crocus. I, I revisit magnolia trees in my neighborhood every year. I have a favorite on Gilmore. In November, I used to walk through the Beechwood Cemetery to enjoy the brilliant fall colors of and scent of autumn. I sometimes take walks in the Central Experimental Farm's Arboretum as well. The city is full of green spaces, and perhaps now we see how necessary it is for people to be able to get out in nature, to breathe and feel the sun. Last May, I decided to go on an urban foraging walk with Forged Ottawa organizer Brian Dokes. It was a lovely experience. The group learned about trout lilies, we got to sample his spring pesto and have a bite of Japanese knotwood, which tastes a bit like rhubarb. I love walking and especially walking in nature, but as an urban resident with no car, I tend to forget there are wild places near me. We walked about four kilometers from Strathcona Park to Herdman on a trail near the highway, so we were surrounded by evidence of, of the city. It is possible to find wild within the city. I'm sharing links to my blog entry for the walk and also for Forged Ottawa on Facebook and Meetup on, in the show notes. The year before that, a friend and I went on an herbal tea walk with the Ottawa Tea Girl Guild at the Fletcher Wildlife Garden, which is part of the Central Experimental Farm. The guide was herbalist Amber Westfall of the Wild Garden, a local organization that introduces people to bioregional, edible and medicinal plants through workshops and walks. She made us nettle tea, which we drank on a hot summer's day beneath the shade of a tree. I'll post the link to the Wild Garden as well. 
In its summer 2019 issue, Brick Magazine published an interview by Michael Andache with Jason Logan, the founder of the Toronto Ink Company. After reading the fascinating interview about making ink from natural and non-natural sources, I obtained the book, Make Ink, A Forager's Guide to Natural Ink Making by Jason. Jason Logan. It was published by Abrams Books in 2018. The book is full of colorful photos of plants, ink samples, recipes, anecdotes, and instructions. It also includes the interview. In his introduction, Jason describes this practice as foraging for color, which excited me greatly because I adore anything to do with color. And here's a quote from the book. You don't need a huge national park to find natural color. Ink-making supplies can be found anywhere plants grow. If you expand your palette to include industrial materials and ingredients from your own kitchen and grocery store, the possibilities become endless. When I think a book will be of interest to both my husband and me, I read it aloud to him while he cooks breakfast for us on the weekends. This is one of the books I've read to him while he makes magical egg, bread, bacon, or sausage concoctions. And I'll link to the, uh, to the website for the book. Many years ago, Charles and I did a walking tour called The Secret Gardens of Sandy Hill, which was a lovely way to get to see gardens in the backyards of Sandy Hill. Residence. Often at the front of the residence, there was no way of knowing that a lush, colorful garden existed. This brings to mind Sandra Ridley's book, Post Apothecary, which came out with Peddler Press in 2011. It is an incantatory series of long poem sequences featuring a woman whose illness is used against her and the herbal concoctions that kept her docile and dozing. Electuary of Vetch Forget his dithering at her lich gate, his pine skittish twitch. Forget his underbelly scent, his soothing hands. Forget his collecting jar, net and ether, burn barrel and abandoned shack. Forget her peck marks and claw bites, pushing wings, wet slur of vetch. Forget her torn clothes and mud-slung tracks. Seraphim, sepulchral angel. Sweet pea petals fall and press sunlight on her closed eyes. When I was making the, um, when I was, uh, I guess, making this podcast episode, I uh, decided to brew some nettle tea, and uh, when I was when I was waiting for it to steep, I um, I looked up on Wikipedia about the hi history and folklore of nettle tea. Stinging nettle is mentioned in the Nine Herbs Charm. It has been used in Europe for centuries as food in early spring, when other sources of food were scarce, as a nutritive spring tonic, and to build the strength and milk production of pregnant and lactating women and livestock, and as medicine for various conditions. Hippocrates recorded 61 medicinal uses of the plant in the 4th and 5th centuries BCE. Nettle was once widely used for its stem fibers, which were netted, retted, and spun like flax. In Denmark, burial shrouds made of the re resulting cloth have been found dating back 5,000 years or more. Native Americans used the fiber for making fish nets and for cordage. Nettle leaves produce a green dye that was used in wartime. Europe to make camouflage and is used in this to this day in Germany to keep canned vegetables looking a healthy green. I'll post the link to um, the Wikipedia entry as well, and maybe you'll have a cup of nettle tea while you're listening to this podcast. 
I have yet to go on one of Jane's walks. Jane Jacobs was a magnificent advocate for the creation and sustainment of the livable city, integrated environments that prioritize people and the environment over cars and consumerism. Jane's walks take place all over North American May, including Ottawa. This this year, I think they're doing some online walks, and um, let's all plan to attend one in the future. I know Jane's Walk Ottawa is planning to have their in-person festival in September, and I'll put the link up as well. For the Small Machine Talks, I wanted to start a series within the podcast that featured wandering about with writers. The first of the series was episode 39 in season two with Toronto poet Jennifer Lovegrove. We wandered to various secondhand clothing stores in Ottawa and enjoyed coffee and conversation at Art House on Somerset. I hope to do more of these types of episodes when the physical distancing requirement has been lifted, and I'll post a link to the episode as well. I have a plan one day to visit Toronto again and walk through a ravine with writer and friend Amy Lavender Harris. Her book Imagining Toronto, which came was from Mansfield Press in 2010, is an exploration of Toronto as seen through fiction, poetry, and essays. In a section entitled The Poetics of Walking, which describes Toronto's contemporary culture of urban explorers, Amy quotes Walking Off the Map, a 2006 essay by John Bentley Mays. They are all walkers, and their tread along the city street is intent and focused. We see them moving at the pace of dowsers, looking for streams buried beneath the pavement. And dowsers they are, these seekers for the fugitive urban imaginary in the solid matter of the city. Tannis MacDonald's book Mobile... Mobile, by uh, Bookhug Press in 2019, is described as an uncivil feminist reboot of Dennis Lee's Civil Elegies and Other Poems, an urban lament about female citizenship and urban culpability, an homage to working and walking women in a love-hate relationship with Toronto, its rivers and creeks, its sidewalks and parks, its history, misogyny, and violence. In her notes on section two, Jane Walks, Tannis writes that it picks up the many iterations of the crazy Jane figure as written by many poets, but most specifically in eight poems by W.B. Yeats. In addition, this section takes as its guiding spirit Jane Jacobs, the great urban critic who moved to Toronto in 1968 and lived in the Annex neighborhood from 1971 to 2006. Jane Meets W.B. Yeats is a rewrite of Yeats's Sailing to Byzantium. Here is Jane Meets W.B. Yeats. William, I walk the city. You'd call it Byzantium. It is no country for young women. I know why they are in one another's arms. And me, Macker, I walk the blocks and louder sing. Jig when I can. Fish or fowl, I'll take my form from any natural thing and more. Besides, bespoke, begotten, besotted, I'll take the sidewalk test and pass with flying colors. I'll rummage in the marvelous order. Give me a rundown building. Give me squatters. I'll show you a woman's shawl in the weave and color of my skin. Now that we are old and gray and full of sleep, I'll say an aged woman was never a paltry thing. Gather me into what is to come, Macker, to see." I'm also going to uh, include a list of songs as well that uh, go with the theme of the podcast. And uh, I've done a playlist on Spotify. 
Flaneur magazine, Fragments of a Street, is a nomadic independent magazine focusing on one street per issue. A friend who moved from Ottawa to Montreal introduced me to it. One issue focuses on Montreal's Rue Bernard with gorgeous full-color photos of alleyways in the dark, lit by lamplight, poetic fragments of text about wandering, essays about people who live on Bernard, barbers, immigrants from Kosovo, Portugal, photo essays with graffiti and fashionable people. Here's a quote from Confessions by Richard Mesner from the issue. The act of walking is the act of reflecting. The reflections of the street become fragments of an inner mirror. What seems like a logical linear collection of stones, asphalt, and street signs is deconstructed through the mind. And I'll give you that link as well. Cole Svensson's wonderful book response to various writers and philosophers on Walking On is dog-eared to the max. The book was published by one of my favorite American publishers, Nightboat Books, in 2017. I'm going to read you from Saint, Promenade Autour d'un Village, just the first walk. Saint, Promenade Autour d'un Village, the first walk. They set off along the river, literally on white horses, Georges Saint and two friends, listing shades of green, counting leaf by leaf, tree, sheen, and a translucent insect, almost invisible at the tip of a blade of grass. One friend was an entomologist in search of certain cocoons, while the other, although an artist, was also looking for an insect, a common blue butterfly, but a perfect one. They walked on, late June, 1857. The insect is pearl, the insect is chime, the insect is amethyst gilded in mica. That, this is what it's like to take a walk with an entomologist. A flight of crickets, suddenly ignited by a hand brushing across the top of the reeds and into the studded sky we breathe through the branches, we filtered through the grasses we occupy. Butterflies, he claims, though migratory, never cross a sea, never still a step beyond, yet said that only something small could I believe. An antelope is the size of an earring, is nibbling a maze through the long grass down a hill. Saint had a particular affection for this particular village and chose it as a starting point for a series of radiating walks that wound along through gorges, past mills, down the river. A keen observer, she watches across the mirrored water, four people in a boat in the very act of crossing, is an act of gliding slowly, barely parting. The mirror as a way of painting, a landscape in and of the mind outside, landing further. A stone tower overtaken by flowering vine, a pencil tracing the entire route there and back, themselves overtaken by dust and thus erring, errant. Wandered all evening to find it suddenly late at night and the village asleep, picking their way down the steep stone street, each a candle in hand. When I think of wandering and poetry, I also think of a friend, Chris Turnbull, who's also a poet, her wonderful project Root, R-O-U-T slash E. 
Root has manifested in several iterations over the years, but in some ways always combines nature with poetry. In her 2015 essay published in Angel House Press's essay series, Chris writes, A foot press I use to place poetry on trails is formerly a way of placing poems in the way of people, but not necessarily masses of people, and not necessarily, and no way to really find out, people who necessarily read poetry, just people. People on ATVs, people on snowmobiles, people on skis, people in running shoes, hikers, rubber boots, snowshoes, and on bikes. The poems are also in the way of the various entities that are with us on trails, such as insects, birds, coyotes, foxes, bears, amphibians, plants, in no particular order. The poems are planted in places that they can be encountered, alongside marshlands, edging bridges, bordering junk, people have dumped, alongside trees and groves, but not obviously. You could consider them another form of a nature note, as if about to identify something local, naturalized, introduced, historical, absented, or even a perspective from a vantage point. Insects, birds, coyotes, foxes, bears, and plants move around, on, mark, and incorporate them into their travels as an ordinary thing indistinct from anything else. People use the trails mostly for recreational activities, and yet, most of the time, I don't encounter anyone else. Just tracks, tires, footprints, skis, snowshoes, dog, raccoon, snowshoe rabbit, squirrel, mouse, bear, fox, bird, deer. I've included a link to the essay on this site. Nothing makes me want to chase storms and sex, hedonism in the wild, wander through tangled gardens and drink drink whiskey more than John Thompson's Hazals. Still Jack. The book was released by House of, was re-released by House of Anansi in 2019. The poems are a compelling combination of the still and the wild. Here is XVI or 16. The barn roof bangs a tin wing in the wind. I'm quite mad, never see the sun. You like sad, sad songs that tell a story. How far down on Whiskey Row am I? I believe in unspoken gods. Where will I prove those? If I wash my hands, will I disappear? I'll suck oil from Tobin's steel and walnut. If one more damn fool talks to me about sweetness and light, I'm looking for the darkest place then. Only then I'll raise my arm. Someone must have really socked it to you. Were the lips made to hold a pen or a kiss? If there were enough women, I wouldn't write poetry if there were enough poetry. To close, I will leave you with one of my favorite poems, Iris's by Lee Young Lee, which I'm reading from in A Book of Luminous Things, an international anthology of poetry edited by Czeslav Milos in 1996. Iris's. One. In the night, in the wind, at the edge of the rain, I find five irises and call them lovely. As if a woman... Once lay by them a while, then woke, rose, went, the memory of hair lingers on their sweet tongues. I'd like to tear these petals with my teeth. I'd like to investigate these hairy selves, their beauty and indifference. They hold their breath all their lives and open, open. Two. We are not lovers nor brother and sister, though we drift hand in hand through a hall, thrilling and burning as thought and desire expire, and over this dream of life, this life of sleep, we waken dying, violet becoming blue, growing black, black, all that an iris ever prays when it prays to be. 
So consider this earth the first of the four elements I hope to be discussing in subsequent months. I'll leave you with a 57-song playlist to go with the episode, some additional resources, my ever-blooming list of garden-related films called I Need to Start a Garden, my list of bicycle and women films, and an article on the feminist history of bicycles from Bustle. I also would like to recommend Shauna LeMay's wonderful Transactions with Beauty blog. If you're having a little trouble getting through these days, uh, this is a good blog to go to. And also something called rainycafe.com, where you can listen to the sounds of people in a cafe or the rain or people in a cafe during the rain. We certainly, I certainly miss being in cafes and, and pubs these days. Also, the sounds of a summer forest, also nice to hear. And a few more books I'll recommend are For the Love of Trees, A Guide to the Trees of Ottawa's Central Experimental Farm Arboretum, which came out by General Store Publishing House in 2007, and a book we've already talked about, Aaron's talked about on the podcast before, From Walk-Ups to High-Rise, Ottawa's Historic Apartment Buildings from Heritage Ottawa in 2017. And also, uh, finally, Jane Jacobs' book, The Life and Death of Great American Cities, from Vintage Books, Random House, 1992. I admit I've only read it in pieces, but it's, it's interesting to read. Thanks to Charles for processing and recording. Thanks to Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro. Thanks to all the poets, musicians, artists, filmmakers, directors, actors, living and dead, who contributed to this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode in May. I'm not sure what it will be yet, but I'm hoping to post it at the end of the month. Thank you for listening, and and everyone stay safe. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. <laughs>